How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 326 of X-Lapsed. Um, I guess uh, maybe I can say it's a long-awaited one since it's been a minute since I've done one of these. And, in fact, uh, I wasn't even sure I was going to do this today. Um, I wasn't sure if or when I was going to, uh, you know, dust off the microphone and uh, sit before an Audacity screen and uh, talk <laughs> to myself for uh, an extended period of time, but... That day is today, because absolutely, positively, nobody demanded it. Well, no, it's actually, um, I am in the process of trying to express gratitude. Um, I recently had a doctor's visit I was very, very, very nervous about. If you have the misfortune of being in my social circle, uh, you'll know that I am very, very fatalistic when it comes to, well, just about anything. So, uh, recently had an appointment that uh, went my way. So with a, uh, I guess, a new lease on uh, my free time, I suppose, uh, I figure why not give this another go here. And as for the uh, the absence, well, we will talk about that at the at the end of the episode here. I want to get through everything that people might want to listen to before I start blibber-blabbering about stuff that uh, I honestly don't think anybody would be all that interested in in hearing. But, um... Let's get into the actual content here. It's uh, we got a couple of short stories because it is unlimited day. I would have loved to have come back um, on a on a better note than this, but you see, this was the script that I was uh, in the middle of working on when I decided to stop putting out episodes of the show. So it wasn't it wasn't like done or anything, but it was uh, well, it was kind of done. <laughs> so all I had to do was really wrap it up and. Uh, drag my jolly ass to the microphone to uh, perform or deliver it. So let's get into it. We got X-Men Unlimited, Volume 3, Number 21, February 2022 date. Story is called Downtime, featuring Madrox and Strong Guy. It's uh, written and drawn by Jason Liu, with letters by VCs Joe Sabino, edits Amaro Sabolsky. This appeared on the app on February 7th of 2022, which tells you just how far behind we are on, uh, on the Unlimited stuff. Anyway, we open with Jamie Madrox, Layla Miller, and their tot Davey, who are about to have a picnic. Now it looks like Warren and Monet have decided to give their multiple man the day off. Well, Jamie Prime, that is. Now Jamie vows here to be more present for his family, and as such, he's working to train his dupes to be a little bit more self-sufficient, which, hey, what a concept! If, you know, Peter David hadn't already established that Jamie's dupes could be plenty self-sufficient, like... 15 years ago? Oh well. Uh, now, while they chat, we see a bunch of dupes. They're headed down the way with vacay things here. This is the uh, X-Corp island fortress 
headquarters thing. <laughs> it's just it's dipped into the drink here, and uh, they're having themselves a beach day. So all the dupes they're carrying like inner tubes, canoes, summertime fun stuff basically. Uh, Jamie holds Davy up and asks if he's having a good time and gets a big old belch in the face as a reply, which is already funnier and better told than the entire X-Corp story ever was, and I'm just talking about the burp there. Now, we see amid the dupes is Guido, who's carrying a pair of jet skis down to the water. Now, you see, it's been a minute since Jamie and he had reconnected, so uh, Jamie's sent his best dupe to hang out with him and keep him company? It kind of seems like a dick move, right? But what are you going to do? I imagine Guido feels, you know, just awesome to know that he rates high enough for his pal to send a dupe to hang out with him. It's like, you know, like the twins having a date on a sitcom and, you know, one doesn't want to go, so they send the other. It's kind of like that. Uh, Let's stick with Guido and the dupe. We head offshore for some sea exploration. Well, the art tells us a couple of different things here. We've got Guido jet skiing by himself... On top of the water here Maybe he's reconnecting with himself I don't know, but we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little while Uh, The Jamie Dupe, or a Jamie Dupe Is scuba-ing under the sea When he happens upon a disgusting-looking cluster of I don't know, like eggs and sacks and It's pretty disgusting At least it's cartoony If it were drawn by someone with a more realistic style I'd, I'd probably vomit So, this dupe dupes a few more dupes To get a closer look Just then, a bunch of not-quite-land-shark-looking beasties hatch from this nasty, disgusting cluster pocket thing. The dupes rush back to the surface to let yet another dupe know that they're under attack. I mean, I gotta assume that eggs hatch, like, all the time underwater. Things are constantly being born, right? So, maybe there's a little bit too uh, of an alarmist reaction. Though, in fairness, uh, these fake-ass land sharks do seem a bit unfriendly. We see them leaping out of the drink and chewing on the Madrox beach toys. Jamie Prime and Layla see the hullabaloo from their vantage point and proceed to blast at all the beasties with pulse pistols. Layla then says the scariest thing I think I've ever seen written in an X-Men comic where she suggests that they call Monet for backup. Scarier yet, Monet and Warren both show up, so it's a regular X-Corp reunion here because, of course, we demanded it. Though, again, this is like... A kajillion times better than that awful series ever was Now as the action picks up near the shore We head back out to sea Where Guido and a dupe are jet skiing Just a few finger flicks ago It looked like Guido was by himself But I guess if creative and editorial aren't paying attention Why should we? Okay, so we got the pals here They're talking And uh, Guido is chatting about the time he was the king of hell Now Jamie asks if he saw anybody famous down there To which Guido says tons Though he thankfully doesn't name names In the distance, them boys see the X-Corp island airship gimmick thingy lifting out of the drink Back to the island, X-Corp has managed to fight off the fake-ass land sharks Trinary Trinary is then ordered to fly the place as far away from wherever they are as possible Now, wherever they are is apparently somewhere a little too close to Monster Island And so, they zip away Only they've forgotten poor Guido and the dupe We wrap up with the fellas realizing they've been stranded. And so they go back to talking about hell while they wait for the a-holes at X-Corp to realize they've been Kevin McAllistered. We close out with a hand emerging from the drink right in front of them. And the promise slash threat that this story must continue. 
and Will in X-Men Unlimited number 27? 27? This is 21. Alrighty then, um, it looks like our next X-Men Unlimited uh, story uh, appears to be picking back up with the Hickman-Shalvey story, only with 100% less Hickman. He must have far better things to do, I guess. Um, so what did we think of this one? Um, it was harmless, right? It was harmless. I, I can't say that it doesn't evoke that classic feeling of X-Men Unlimited, because for better or for worse, it it definitely does. Um, one of the things we talked about earlier in this show, uh, not today's show, but just the show overall, is how um, an Unlimited series could be helpful or it could just be um, more bloat. And it could be helpful in a way where you can take a look at a lesser-seen character, you could build things up on the fringes. I often compared the, actually, the Hickman X-Men series, uh, X-Men Volume 5, the flagship, as being quite Unlimited-esque, in that it was just these weird little vignette stories that may be picked up on later, may not be picked up on later. It just added flavor to the overall story, which... I mean, there is a place for that, to be sure. Uh, I just don't think it's in the flagship book, or the alleged flagship book. Here, I mean, it's fine. It ain't hurting nobody. It, it really isn't helping anybody, but it's uh, it's not hurting anybody. I think that's the, probably the, uh, the highest praise I can heap upon it at this point in time. It's okay. It's moderately fun. It's inessential, but uh, it's nothing worth uh, setting your hair on fire over. It's just a fun story, and... To be completely honest, I'm looking more forward to the uh, Madrox Guido follow-up than I am getting back into the Wolverine Latitude story. Though, maybe it'll surprise me. I'm, I'm trying to be more optimistic. <laughs> I have this new lease on my hobby here. I'm trying to be, you know, more positive. So, um, I am totally open and receptive to <laughs> the next part of Latitude being something that'll knock our socks off or, or just plain be enjoyable. But I think that's about all I have to say about um, about this short story. Uh, I wasn't exactly asking to see X-Corp again, but the fact that X-Corp was brought back and I didn't want to snap my phone in half when I saw them is both a good thing and uh, very, very surprising. Now, with that out of the way, let's hop into our backup here, which is Life of Wolverine number 5. This also came out in February 2022. Story is called Chapter 5, Guided by Shadows, written by Jim Zub, with art by Ramon Box. Colors, Hava Tartaglia, Letters VCs Josebino, edits Baumgartner, Basso, White, Sabolski, and it appeared on the Marvel Unlimited app on February 17th of 2022. Now we open with... I know it's been a minute, but I think we're actually opening with a recap. And I've said this before, uh, especially during the uh, that Niciesa juggernaut Deadpool story. I don't know why we keep getting recaps in these, considering this is like a digital gimmick. And, I mean, if you have access to read this chapter, stands to reason you have access to read every chapter that came before it. I don't know. Anyway, here we're reminded about the Devil's Brigade, how the U.S. entered World War II, and how Wolverine trained Black Widow. All of which I'm about 90% sure we've already discussed. Anyway, we get a shot of Wolverine fighting side-by-side side with Captain America and Nick Fury. They are fighting Hydras. Uh, Captain America's sidekick, Bucky, turns on Wolverine. And, um, oh, by the way, did you know that Bucky would become the Winter Soldier? Because if you didn't, you do now. And, you know, because where better to dive into that than in Wolverine's origin story? 
I don't know, I guess uh, Jim Zub gets the Bucky bonus this month. Anyway, let's get back to our uh, feature character here, uh, allegedly. Let's get back to Wolverine, who is unwittingly being controlled by Seraph, Romulus, and, quote, a host of other manipulators. We watch as he uh, takes on a bunch of international missions before the end of World War II. Now, speaking of the end of World War II, Logan somehow finds himself in Hiroshima when the bombs dropped. Now, this was established in the 2008 Logan miniseries by Brian K. Vaughn and Eduardo Riso. Uh, Logan obviously survives. Now, this takes us back to Jasmine Falls, and at least I think we're headed back there. Like I said, it has been a minute since I last read one of these. I could be confusing it with uh, Zlato's Lato. Uh, who knows? And, I mean, who cares? Uh, Logan arrives at Jasmine Falls, where he meets Bando Saburu, and he's welcome to stay there. Now, Jasmine Falls would first appear in Logan, Path of the Warlord No. 1, December 1995 cover by Howard Mackey and Jean-Paul Leon. Bando Saburu would first appear in Wolverine Vol. 2 No. 26, July 1990, but would not appear again until Wolverine Volume 3, number 40, May 2006. Anyway, Logan accepts, and he would make his life at Jasmine Falls. He would meet, marry, and impregnate a woman named Itsu. And that's where we leave it. Now, I tell you what, it's a little confusing reading this alongside uh, Zlato's Lado. And, and by the way, uh, next episode will be uh, X-Deaths number 2, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I very well might be, but I don't think I am. But it's a little confusing since there is so much overlap in um, some of our settings and characters, and certainly in my own research. It feels like I've talked about Jasmine Falls a bunch, and I, I may have only talked about it once, and it may have been in a Slato Zlato episode. And I mean, that's nothing against this story. I think, uh, I think there are things to hold against this story. I don't know that it's anybody's fault necessarily, because I think the story is doing exactly what it's setting out to do, which is to give the inch-deep, mile-wide look at Wolverine's origin with an attempt at making it uh, a little bit more linear and, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, followable than what's been established before. Now, as, as a mission statement, I mean, it's not one I agree with, but it's one that I could see benefiting somebody who might be struggling their way through Zlato's Lado. Of course, it's only giving the tiniest of breadcrumbs. So if you do want to know more, you're going to have to, you're going to have to Google. You know, you're going to have to hit Wikipedia. You're going to have to hit the Marvel Wiki. You're going to have to actually put in a little bit of effort to contextualize a lot of what's being shared here in this, like I said, very very shallow look at Wolverine's origin. And I think uh, if I were to say I had a problem with a story like this, uh, it would be. Well, it would be loaded with Chris problems, basically. Um, what we're doing here, at first blush, or I guess superficially at least, is attempting to make Wolverine's story feel, I don't know, less intimidating? Because, I mean, there's a lot to it. I recently went to a... Uh, I was digging through a 50-cent bin, and I came across, in a stack... Um, Something like 17 or 18 Wolverine one-shots, all from uh, the year 2000, about 2010. All of these one-shots, and I flipped through, I bought a bunch of them because I didn't have them, and as I flipped through them, like, you could just, not even, without even reading it, you could see that they're contradicting each other, or they're, like, overcomplicating bits and pieces of Wolverine's origin, and now it feels like we're brushing all that away to make it very, very simple. And I mean, by now you guys know me. I believe that 
loyalty as a reader should be rewarded. You know, I I don't think things need to be totally buried in continuity minutia, but I don't know. I like those little added bits here that make you. Uh, yeah, I mean, because as a hobby, comics is uh, it's a waste of time, right? But every now and again, you get that little reward that's, that, that says that, you know, some of that time you wasted in the past meant something. And maybe I'm over-romanticizing it, but I don't know. I, I like having those rewarding moments. As few and far between as they are, it's, it's, nice to, it's nice to have them every once in a while. I also never wanted to see Wolverine's story told in a linear fashion. I don't want to know the chronological Wolverine. I'll read a chronological Wolverine that a fan wrote. You know, someone who's trying to piece together uh, how Wolverine came to be. I don't want the official Marvel version of that. Because I feel like it's reminiscent of the the last page, the little fold-out that came with uh, Zero Hour number Zero back in DC Comics uh, 1994 or so. That gave you the exact timeline of the DC universe, you know, post zero hour. And as a, you know, 14-year-old kid at that point, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. But the whispers at the comic shop were that this was a bad idea. And this was from older folks or I mean I guess grown-ups. I shouldn't say older folks since I'm probably twice their age now. But uh, this is from grown-ups who were there for crisis, you know, they were there for these different sea changes where you know, things were established, and then within, you know, months, they were contradicted. And we're living in an age now where if you're a fan and you bring that up to an editor on social media or, God forbid, a letters page or a message board, you're going to be called out as being a loser or a nerd who pays too much attention to this stuff. So if we tell Wolverine's story in a similar fashion where it's linear... And then something gets added or something gets taken away, and if we dare bring that up our concerns will be uh, immediately dismissed, which makes this whole thing seem pointless. And of course, I'm projecting quite a bit right now because who knows what's going to happen in the future. I mean, this could be Wolverine's story from this point on. They may not add anything to it. I I mean, of course they will, but let's say for argument's sake that they don't. You know, Wolverine won't have three more bastard children running around the universe, and he won't have uh, been taken in by a a different circus to, uh, to perform. If that's the case, then I guess this is this is fine for what it is. But um, I mean, if we've been around the block a time or two, uh, well, we might have a an uncertain eyebrow cocked right now, just uh, waiting for some of this to be contradicted. But that's neither here nor there. As far as a chapter of Wolverine's life is concerned, it's it's very shallow. It's very very shallow. It doesn't give us a whole heck of a lot to go on without without having to do homework. You know, outside research. And uh, I guess if you don't care about all of that, it's it's fine. Uh, unfortunately, I really can't identify with anyone who would read this and not care. If I'm wrong, please let me know. If, you, if you're reading this just out of pure curiosity, like, what's Wolverine's story? I've never heard of this character before. I don't know anything about his history, and this is my Wolverine 101. And if you read this as a Wolverine 101 and had absolutely no interest in doing your own research on the outside... Let me know. I, I, I'd like to hear from you. But I think that will do it for our comics content for today. Um, if all you want to hear is comics content, you are safe to hit the, the stop button on your uh, podcast device right now because 
what follows is not going to have anything to do with uh, with the stories that we discussed today. Um, usually, when I come back, we do we do Marvel previews. We're not going to do that today. Um, we do have some stuff in the mailbag. Again, we're we're not going to get to that today. Instead, we're going to uh, get into a little bit of that uh, good old fashioned real talk here uh, to kind of explain why there have not been any episodes of this program for uh, about three weeks now. It's been I think it's been just over three weeks since uh, since I stopped putting out shows, which is the longest I've gone without putting out any audio since uh, since Reggie passed, I believe. So it's been a while, and I mean. I don't know that I owe anybody an explanation. I don't owe anybody an apology, but it's kind of my brand to be honest and transparent, uh, sometimes to a fault. And uh, I don't know. I I know that um, everything I'm about to say is mostly from me. Uh, There's a lot of stuff I want to say. There's a lot of stuff I don't want to say. And there's a lot of stuff that I... uh, Probably shouldn't say and probably will regret having said (laughs) But, uh, hey, I don't have a diary, I don't have a journal I don't really have very many people that I talk to So um, I guess this is where this all comes out Now, I have talked um, a couple of times I've at least brushed up against the the subject on the air That uh, my wife and I are trying to uh, have a child And, I mean, since you haven't heard me say that we're expecting um, you may assume that uh, either I'm keeping that a secret because I'm very superstitious or it uh, it just hasn't happened. And unfortunately, it is the latter. It has not happened, and uh, we've been trying for a, a while now. And it's we're starting to we're starting to come to the realization that it might just not be in the cards for us. Now why the hell am I saying this? and what does this have to do with anything? Um, you know, you, you, when you have something like that that you want very, very, very badly and it's not working out, you, I don't know, it's something in your world that you can't control. You know, uh, you could plan, you can do everything you think you need to do, you could do everything right, you can follow every sort of bit of advice that you get from professionals and uh, witch doctors and everything, everything in the world, you can do that. But it comes down to this being a variable that I cannot control. And it sucks. It sucks a lot. And knowing that uh, it just may never be in the cards is a very, very tough pill to swallow. And if you followed um, the shows before x Lapsed, uh, the Chris is on Infinite Earth show, um, any of the old audio, uh, I was very open and honest about... Um, many of the failures in my life that uh, got me to where I am right now. And those failures began piling up at perhaps the most opportune time to procreate. Uh, The wife and I were both in our 20s, and um, everything seemed like it was uh, in order. But then, just as everything was looking to be on the right path, uh, we lost everything. And uh, that was largely, it was uh, largely, largely my ass. It was completely my fault. <laughs> it was 100% my fault. I, uh, my, my job went away. Um, I couldn't find another job. I, 
wouldn't uh, I wouldn't settle for jobs that I probably should have settled for. Um, I was a real uh, piece of work, uh, I guess, and um, and I and my failures uh, made it so it was never the right time to uh, to work on on this little project that we wanted to work on together. So here we are. We waited until we were stable, comfortable, you know, um, in a position where. We, we could have a child, and uh, we're coming to find out that perhaps that window has, uh, has shut on us. Um, and, and again, apologies for the self-indulgence here. I promise I'm getting to some semblance of a point. But uh, one of the things that uh, keeps me up at night is the realization that my wife does not have a child because of me. And that's a hard... Uh, it's a hard and... A jagged pill to swallow it's not it sucks it sucks and uh, it's something that I at the moment cannot control there's no control over it and it's something that can consume you or at least it consumes me I'm very tunnel visioned uh, in case anybody hasn't been able to pick up on that and so I blame myself and I constantly feel like I'm drowning in quicksand, just drowning in, in my own thoughts, in my own head. And so I look for something that I can fill my time with and something that I have a modicum of control over. And at present, that thing for me is, uh, is comics and comics content creation, <laughs> you know, as silly as that might sound, um, you, you know, you, you go to your you go to your lightning rod. You know, you go to what grounds you. You go to something you may be able to lose yourself in. And I, I do completely understand and appreciate that. Um, compared to a lot of people, these are you know caviar problems, right? These are problems that uh, people would uh, would trade for for sure. But uh, I can't I can't speak to anybody else's experience but my own. So I throw myself into, I throw myself into this project and all these projects, and um, and, and it's a, a situation where, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of elements of it that I cannot control, but there are just as many that I can. You know, I can, as I am right now, be sitting somewhere talking into a microphone. You know, I can control that. I can make myself do that. I can make myself hit record, I can make myself edit, I can make myself upload. I can control that. I can't control whether or not anyone gives a shit, <laughs> and I never will be able to control that. But I can control what I do. I can control that I set an alarm and I wake up before the sun comes out so I can get all of this stuff done before the real day starts. I can control... That I do leave a mark, a small mark, a big mark, a mark that's barely noticed at all, but I can leave a mark. I can end the day having produced something. And not something, you know, not something from the day job, not something academically, but something that from soup to nuts was me, you know. Um, just me, dependent on absolutely nobody or nothing else, you know, just me. And so, you know, nose to the grindstone, I, I do the thing, right? I do the thing every day. And uh, a few months ago, I, I, I did my Idiot's Guide to Podcasting, and one of the things I said was to, um, and I mean it's the most trite 
bit of uh, I don't even know if I, can, if I can call it advice because it's so obvious, but it's like you do it for yourself. You do it for the intrinsic benefits of um, or the intrinsic qualities of the endeavor. You do it because you enjoy doing it. You do it because you love doing it. You do it because it's harder not to do it than to do it. And uh, usually I can subscribe to that philosophy. Not always. <laughs> it is a struggle from time to time. There are times where you are, or I am, I should say. I can't speak for everybody, and I wouldn't uh, want to, because I am a very special case in my uh, preciosity, I guess <laughs> we might be able to say. But, um, you know, every so often you are hit with the realization that uh, what you do is very, very irrelevant even in the context of a very insular niche as what it is that I do here. I mean, it's one thing to be irrelevant when compared to actual things that happen in the world. There's another thing to be uh, irrelevant compared to podcasting in general or just content creation in general. It's yet another to be irrelevant in your very own, very, very small niche, to know that you rate as completely irrelevant even in your own very, very, very small niche. That's uh, that's something else <laughs> altogether, and, uh, and it's not terribly often that I'm reminded of that. But uh, when I am, it, uh, it affects me deeply. And, and I mean, <laughs> I, I do over-romanticize things. I uh, am very, very precious, uh, but I, I can't lie and say I, I, don't, I don't feel things because I do. And um, sometimes you're, I can't say literally because literally doesn't mean anything anymore, but you're figuratively slapped in the face or punched in the gut with your own irrelevance. And being in this sort of kind of wibbly-wobbly, fragile place that I've been, um, you know, sometimes I'm able to just not see what I don't want to see. You know, I, I always want to let the work speak for me and not these very self-indulgent bits like uh, like I'm engaging in right now. I like to let the work speak, and I apologize for being a bit obtuse or purposefully nebulous right now. I'm getting somewhere, I promise, I think. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But um, sometimes the reminders of your irrelevance are... A little too much to bear, especially when the project that you're engaging in is something of a surrogate for something else. This goes back to the uh, over-romanticization, over-romanticizing, how, how do I say that word? Over-romanticizing, we'll just say, because I can't say the other word. This just goes to me over-romanticizing um, this and all of my projects, because at the end of the day, it is a surrogate for something that I don't have any control over. So when it's dismissed, it feels a little bit more personal. That's not anybody's fault but my own. You know, um, you know, it's like I, I said months ago, you could have the greatest project, greatest show, greatest website in the world, but at the end of the day, nobody's going to care about it quite as much as you do. Right? It could be the best thing in the world, but you will still, it'll still mean more to you than it will anybody else. And that's one of those concepts that's uh, it's very simple, but it's not easy to wrap your head around because... Actually, you don't, I, I don't know why because. I, I don't have a because. It's just the way it is. 
but it is something that uh, you cannot control. You can't control that. And as I mentioned, you know, six hours ago when I started this little aside, um, you can't control. You can't control what you can't control. What you can control, and I mean, this is obvious stuff here. This is Psych 101. You can control your reaction. You can control your behavior, your activity, your process. And often, anytime I would be slapped or kicked with my own irrelevance, I would, uh, you know, instinctively tuck my chin like a boxer and, uh, you know, you go to your strengths, you go to your toolbox. You know, I'm not the most charismatic person. I'm not the most talented person. I'm not the most interesting person. I'm not the most funny person. I'm not, I'm not the most anything person. <laughs> you know, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of something we all have to kind of deal with. But in my toolbox is something that not everybody has. And I think we all have something about us that is special. You know, it stands to reason that we all have something that we can do better than the person standing next to us. Maybe not the person standing two people down from us, but <laughs> we, we could do it better than some people, or we can commit more than some people. And that thing in my toolbox is my willingness to... Uh, Put in the work, for lack of a better term here. I will do the research. I will do the footwork. I will do the unglamorous stuff that nobody else wants to do. And I believed that that gave me some sort of value. And in a way it did. And in a way it does. But then you stop and you ask yourself why you're doing what it is you're doing. Like, why am I putting in all this effort? Why am I putting in this work? Why am I researching? Why am I going the extra mile? And when you come back with an answer that isn't, I'm doing it for me, well, then you're doing it wrong. And that's kind of the, the boat I found myself in. I would do the unglamorous work to give myself uh, a perception of value, but it was extrinsic. It was value coming from outside and not within. And in fact... Doing such a thing hindered my intrinsic value. I started to think that I wasn't worth a damn. I was only, <laughs> I was only part of certain things because I was uh, willing to do the work that nobody else wanted to do. And uh, perception, even internal perception, becomes reality. I stopped seeing value in stuff that I did, in the content that I created, on the mark, the tiny, tiny, tiny insignificant little mark I left on the world every single day. I started to become embittered, and um, uh, I broke my one of my own cardinal sins of uh, becoming passive-aggressive. I, I hate passive-aggression, um, but I am beyond guilty of it, especially of late. You know, I, I poured so much of myself into these uh, weird little projects as a way to avoid real-life stressors, and... You know, it's like that whole, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees. Um, I, I didn't realize that this was um, becoming one. This was becoming a real-life stressor. And that is not where you want to be with a hobby. That's not where you want to be with something that used to bring you joy. Um, I, I, lost, I lost the joy. Uh, more importantly, I lost the intrinsic joy. The intrinsic is the most important motivator. You can do, you know, just the the love of doing what you do for the simple fact that you do it. You know, and that's how 
all of my projects have started. All the projects have started that way. Chris is on Infinite Earths. I wanted to, you know, I fell into it and I fell in love with it. And something that I didn't think was going to last a week has lasted six and a half years. Every single day. All the podcasts, same, same sort of thing. You know, I started with an immense intrinsic motivation. I wanted nothing more than to share my love and my, my joy for this uh, medium and for this art form with everybody else. And unfortunately, of late, I kinda I kind of lost my way. A few weeks ago, it was made beyond clear that even in this tiny little niche, I don't matter. That I, I'm not a part of anything bigger than me. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. And usually I'm able to get around that. Usually it's, it's all about, you know, the work. You know, even if it's a struggle to start the work, by the time I get into it, it takes over and the intrinsic motivation is back. You know, I fall in love with the research. I, you know, fake-ass comics historian. That's me. I, I love the research. But this time was different. This time it was uh, it was different. Um, it was a true sign to me that, for lack of a better term, the, the game is rigged. <laughs> and uh, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I work, no matter how much I pour myself into this, it's never going to be anything more than it is. And what it is to <laughs> most people, even in this niche, is nothing. And this all kind of happened in a perfect storm situation with things in my personal life, uh, outside of, you know, this silly thing I do. And it was, uh, it was a bit too much. And, uh, I started questioning why I was doing the things that I do. Why am I, am I doing this for me anymore? And, and you know, it's, it's, a situation where I could just, you know, punch myself in the face because I'm doing the same thing that I always get annoyed at Marvel and DC for doing. You know, I could do this project or any project for me, or I could do it for the people who actually appreciate it because, you know, the audience here is small, but they are the most wonderful and supportive people that, uh, you know, that I've come across on the internet. The wonderful folks who literally get me over the hump in situations where I'm struggling and uh, for a minute there I stopped doing this for them and instead was trying to find this non-existent new listener you know and that's something I always hold against Marvel and DC you know you, you know they they don't want the comic fans anymore they want the everything else fans and when I stopped to think that uh I was more interested in what people who do not give a shit about me thought about me than the people who've been supporting me from day one. It was kind of sobering. And I knew that it was time to take a step back. I told myself that I was not going to do this show for anyone other than the people who appreciate it and myself. And I wasn't going to do another show until I felt like I could be okay with that. I told myself that I was not going to do this show as a surrogate child, you know, as a little mark I can leave on the world, and that there were, you know, deeper issues here that I needed to address, and it wasn't until I started to address those in a more productive and healthy way that, uh, that I would come back. And I don't know that I'm completely there yet, 
I, I don't know that we are completely back yet. This might be the only episode of this show to go up for the next couple of weeks. I, I really don't know. There, one of the things that I need to learn is that um, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, when I was in the corporate world, one of the things that I used to say that would annoy everyone above me, all the executives, I would say that there's no such thing as rules in life. You know, there are laws, there are regulations, but there is no such thing as rules. Rules are something that you make yourself. <laughs> rules are just concepts. I don't think you can say that something is against the rules. Uh, you could say something's against the law, against regulations, you know, but not against the rules. And here I am making all these stupid rules for myself, where if I'm going to put out content, it's going to be every day. And it's going to be this way, and it's going to be that way, and uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's yeah. How do you how do you build a prison, right? <laughs> it's uh, you could build a prison many different ways, and um, I think I unwittingly have. So we're gonna play it by ear. You know, we're gonna do this when it feels right. We're gonna do this when we're ready to, and we want to, for and for no other reason. So. I think I've probably wasted enough of your time for today, and I apologize for the um, very, very self-indulgent ending here. Uh, I hope anybody who only wanted to hear the X-Men stuff hit stop about 25 minutes ago. I, I really, really hope you did. But in any event, that will do it for today. Now, if anybody out there would like to get a hold of me, I would uh, encourage you to do so. You can find me several different ways. I'm on Twitter at Ace Comics. Uh, you can send an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, or you can call into the voicemail hotline at... What the hell is the voicemail number? Uh, 623-396-JERK. There you go. <laughs> 623-396-JERK. You could head over to the all-new, all-different chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. I finally got around to making it look less ugly. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's not as ugly as it was, so... If you want to check that place out, you can. And over there you will find um, the project I've been working on in the audio break here. I've been looking at the backup stories from X-Men Classics or Classic X-Men, the uh, vignettes, the Claremont and Bolton stories, and I've uh, been covering those in text and picture format on the blog. So Chris is on InfiniteEarths.com. You can also join us on the Facebook group. That is 90s X-Men. Of course, there is the Patreon, and I apologize for not having a whole lot going on over there, but that is at patreon.com slash xlapsed. Finally, there are the complete audio archives at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. I'm trying to integrate that with chrisisoninfiniteearths.com, make it a little bit easier to go between the two places, so that's there for you if you want it. Um, and while you're there, if you like what you hear, I would love for you to spread the word, maybe tell a friend or two um, that you dig it. That's uh, something that uh, I'm trying to work on myself at this point. I know that I've been a passive consumer of content for way too long. And we can go into the reasons why another time, because that's a yet another <laughs> psychological deep dive that nobody needs to hear at the moment. But um, I'm trying to be the change I want to see in the world right now. <laughs> I'm going to reach out to folks. If I listen to somebody's show and I enjoy it, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to tell them that I did. Because, you know, it's going to cost me nothing but a few moments, and it might just make someone's day. So I'm going to be a little bit more outgoing in that regard. And, uh, hey, I would uh, encourage you all to do that as well, even if it's not for my show. Even if it's for somebody else's show, 
you know, maybe take a second out of your day. Tell them you like it. Tell them you appreciate what they do because, trust me, that will go a very, very long way. But I think that's where I will leave you for today. I want to thank you all so much for putting up with me and for bearing with my preciousness and for uh, listening to me kvetch. Uh, I love you all very much. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.